0: I would say if God has called you to a church, to a man, to a woman in that church, then go all in for whatever that is and stop looking for what's next. Just go all in 100% on whatever God has called you to do. Get planted, get rooted in that church. And just like the story of the prophet in 1 Kings, if God changes his assignment, it will be very, very clear. He will tell you that your assignment has changed.
1: This is The Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to equip local churches everywhere to raise uncommon leaders. The Leading Second Podcast releases every Thursday morning, so hit follow and share this episode with your team. Now let's jump into another episode for all of us who lead from the middle. From the second chair, for the second chair. Welcome to the Leading Second podcast. My name is Clark and I'm one of the team members here at Leading Second. So glad you've joined us. Uh, and we've got another great episode in store for you today. And if you want to get the most out of today's episode, I'd encourage you to download our episode guide. It's a resource we've made for you to help maximize the content in this episode. You can use it to jumpstart conversations with your team, or you can just use it for your own personal growth. You can find it at our website, leadingsecond.com forward slash podcast. Before we jump into the episode, I want to remind you that today is the last day for super early bird pricing for leading second camp 2023 registration. If you're listening to this on release day, that is. So if you want to get the Uh, lowest price possible. Today's the last day. Get you and your team registered. We'd love to see you there. This is your invite to our uh, gathering that we do annually as the Leading Second Tribe. And we'd love to see you there. It it would be just an honor to be part of this event with you where you're going to get renewed and realigned and, and equipped for your ministry role wherever you're serving in church life you're gonna be surrounded by people who are doing ministry just like you i'll be there and i want to see you there as well so today if you're listening to this on release day this is the last day to get that super early bird pricing you can go to our website LeadingSecondCamp.com, to register for the dates for more information go there and get yourself hooked up do yourself a favor For today's interview, we're honored to welcome leaders from North Rock Church. Brandon sits down with them to talk with them about why did they stay? Let's jump into this conversation.
2: Well, hey, I'm excited about this conversation today. Uh, Today, you're going to get to hear from an incredible church uh, that's very special to the Leading Second Tribe. So I want you all to welcome to the podcast today, the team from North Rock Church in San Antonio, Texas. Say what's up to everybody. Y'all.
3: What's up? What's up, everybody, y'all? Hey.
2: <laughs> I have adopted y'all into my Pacific Northwest <laughs> language, by the way. Uh, there is no English word for the word you guys. Uh, so okay. I've decided it sounds better than you guys or, you, you know, it just it's just nice. <laughs>
3: yeah. I think y'all. it's nice,
2: too. And that appropriate. Too. So... So I'm an honorary Texan for today, so welcome, y'all, to uh, the podcast. Uh, pastor Jonathan Moore is the lead pastor of North Rock Church. I'm so glad today uh, to have you here today, sir. Why don't you, uh, I guess, maybe tell us a little bit about you and your family.
3: Well, well Brandon, I'm pumped to be here with you. And uh, uh, love your ministry and all that you're doing for the kingdom of God and 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 100% behind everything that you are doing love this ministry love leading second love the whole concept i think it's a much much needed ministry and um a a niche that has been missing for a long time specifically in the church so thank you for doing this uh my wife alicia and i have been married a long time 29 years to be exact. On, somebody yep we have two boys uh son mason who's 22 and a 19 year old named Britton. and uh Both are in college. Mason will graduate this December. He's working on his last semester right now. In fact, he's just got a few more weeks and Britt is just getting started. So he is a freshman and he's also playing baseball in college. So keeping us busy and, uh, and, um, yeah, that's it for us.
2: You're, you're one of the churches. I feel like our ministry has kind of grown up with, you know, you were one of the first crazy pastors to invite, me to come and serve at your church eleven years ago when I was like crazy enough to think we could do something, but had absolutely zero experience. I don't know what I told you or not, but I had zero experience <laughs> at the time. But you so, acted like you'd been. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Season. <laughs> That's how we do it. Twenty-three
3: or whatever you were. I don't. Even know <laughs>
2: Thank you for the compliment of the age, <laughs> by the way. Uh, but you know, your church was was portable at the time, and you know, one location meeting in a high school up there north side of San Antonio. I just love what God has done over the last decade uh, in your church. you know the, that I've known you anyways. I, I love the the growth, your multiple locations now, really healthy. Uh, church and team and you know y'all are partners for leading second so just just wanted to say today i've been looking forward to this conversation for a while because i feel like y'all are og a part of the leading second tribe whether you wanted to be or not you're Mm -hmm. you're in the same with us from the beginning so so glad you're here and i hey i'm also excited to welcome uh, matt and jennifer martin to the podcast say what's up to everybody matt and
4: jen hey everyone uh, again Brandon thank you so much uh, love we love leading second dearly obviously heavily involved with what's happening and uh, Jennifer and I have been married um, 26 years and so mm-hmm. we're um, we started really really young and um, it's it's been a fun journey to two amazing boys um, Blake who is 24 and got married this year so now I have to get used to using the phrase, Daughter-in-law, which is awesome. She's amazing. It just makes me feel old. It's daughter uh, in
3: love, Matt. It's daughter daughter in love. love. There we go.
4: Daughter in love. And um, but uh, so he he's living his best life uh, and working in ministry at Church of the Highlands in Birmingham. And our youngest is sixteen. Just got his license a few months ago. And um, man, we're it's almost like empty nesters. And uh, and he loves he loves Jesus and the church. So super proud of our boys. And um, it's awesome. Jennifer, Jennifer and I have been on this journey since day one with Pastor Jonathan and Alicia at North Rock. So
0: mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. awesome.
2: Jennifer, tell us a little bit about your roles at the church.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hello, everyone. So great to be with you today. Thank you so much, Brandon, for the opportunity. Uh, like Matt said, we've been married a minute um, and we've been on this journey with Pastors Jonathan and Alicia since the beginning. And our roles have morphed as we've went. Sure. And when you plant sure. a church... Um, you know, you start out doing it all and we all did it all. Um, but now the seats that we're sitting in is Matt is sitting in executive pastor of operations seat and I am sitting in executive pastor of programming seat. Um, and so we have uh, kind of been a little bit of everything, but now we're, we're a little more defined in what we do, which has been super rewarding. Um, That's great. And it's been an honor to serve. So.
2: Well, hey, both of you are brilliant leaders. You're brilliant coaches. In fact, you're part of our coaching groups team with Leading Second. I call you all the time to bounce weird (laughs) message ideas (laughs) off of you or coaching thoughts off of you. You're part of the secret sauce of this ministry. So I'm so glad that you're you're on our team and involved. And hey, if you have a married kid, that means you could be Grandpa, any day, mm. Matt. Well, this like, was going well. Like this that's was real, going well in Syria.
4: So you started that. <laughs> yeah, even worse, Jennifer could be a grandma. So let's just, let's, let's, I went for pressure, you. I, I went for you. Let's put the pressure over there. So,
0: I Mimi. mean, yeah, Mimi, no.
4: <laughs> Mamma, we, Mimi.
2: We
0: will need Mammal. to edit this part out. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Anytime i call calling you today, I'm calling you Mima. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: i'm getting
2: off okay here we go let's let's actually do something meaningful here Uh, pastor jonathan tell us about planting north rock let's just start there you have a beautiful church an amazing church and and we're going to get to kind of some second second chair dynamics in a second but tell us just about uh the church what was it like uh planting this church all those years ago now
3: well, it was hard and we didn't have the resources a lot of people have nowadays so um mm. honestly thank god for uh, church planning organizations like ARC and others that that help resource people and prepare them for what they're going to deal with wow. uh because we didn't have that we we um i didn't even know things like ARC existed so uh we just felt like god directed us to move down here and to plant this plant this location plant plant this church And we used a book, uh, like a Nelson Searcy book called starting a church from scratch or something like that. Oh my gosh. And we literally just went through that book and marked it up. I found it uh, about a year ago and it was just dumbfounded that that was what we used to plant the church and, (laughs) um, had no idea what we were doing. Didn't know how to do really anything, but have church, have decent church. And, um, so it was, it was quite a challenge, um, our product was funny and unique. We started in an elementary school cafetorium, which is a, a sexy word for a elementary school cafeteria. yeah, that exactly. has a stage stage on the side <laughs> of it. So um, cafetorium, it sounds better than it actually is. It smelled of children and food. And uh, we had church there every weekend. that's where we got our start, and uh, you know God blessed us, and we spent two and a half years there. We learned a lot as we went and then we moved into a high school rake high school here close by and we spent two years in that high school and somewhere in that third or fourth year that we realized okay we only really know how to have church we don't really know how to get people connected and we we hit a wall in our growth and and so really that is when we connected to the kind of the grow network and got some resources that actually helped us and uh you know, we started doing that whole model with growth track and all that business. And and it really helped us get some traction and uh, some growth. And man, those early years, of course, a lot of those weekends are, we would just go home and go to bed and say, all right, we're just going to get up tomorrow and try again, because it was not good this weekend, but I know we can do better next weekend. So, so much of it was just uh, perseverance and just grit and just not being willing to quit because, um, you know, church planners, if, if, if you have quit in you, there will be a time and probably multiple times where you will right. quit. Uh, um, right. so we just didn't have quit in us. And thank God for p- people like Matt and Jennifer, who were on the journey with us the entire time, Beautiful. Um, God was working in their life during the same time. He was trans- transitioning, tr- transitioning Alicia and I here to San Antonio. He was transitioning them and Matt made the mistake of calling. And just to talk, and actually was probably looking for a job at the church that I was at in Austin. Um, yes, yes, I I said, yes, I was. I said, "Well, but I've I've got I've got a much better opportunity for you." And so, they uh, they bit and moved here with us. Nobody knew what we were in for. Um, wow! But they actually were on location in San Antonio before I was. Uh, they I think they moved here in about April or May, maybe May. And Alicia and I didn't actually get moved here till about mid July. So they were here even before us. And, uh, That's amazing. We've been on this ride together.
2: I firmly believe that God assigns second chair leaders to pastors. I, I believe that God calls men and women who are pastors uh, to a city, but he often calls many of us to a pastor. And I, I think I feel assigned to my lead pastors uh, the same way, Matt and Jennifer, that I think you feel Toward your pastors, I guess I'll lob this question at you: Why in the world is this your church? You know, tell like bleed, bleed your heart for a minute. Uh, why? Um, why do you love this church, and and why are you aligned with your pastors?
0: So many reasons. Um, so I'll just keep it short. One of one of the things is that we feel strongly that God called us, um, mm-hmm. and and we did make a call to Pastor Jonathan. Matt did. And uh, we were thinking something else, but God had other plans for us. And and to be quite honest, we never saw ourselves as church planters. That was not something I ever thought right. that I would want to be a part of. And um, the very first time that I ever... Was around pastor jonathan and pastor alicia with this idea in mind i had been around them a little bit we were acquaintances we weren't good friends um they weren't on my, they weren't on our christmas card list and we weren't on theirs um, but we were acquaintances and so we came to san antonio and they came to san antonio they were living in austin at the, at the time and he just drove us around the city and from that day and then every day since that that this man talks about the city of san antonio He's extremely passionate and he will get very, very weepy. Um, I was in a room with him Monday night and he started talking about the city of San Antonio and the people who live here. And he started weeping. And I knew I knew in that moment that God was calling us to him, one, because of his passion. I knew I wanted to work for somebody who was extremely passionate about what God had called them to do. He didn't. He didn't pull me over on the side of the road and have me weep for San Antonio. He didn't wake Mm. me up in the middle of the night and say San Antonio is where you're going. But he he assigned us to pastors Jonathan and Alicia, and because of their vision, I said I can align myself with that. Wow! And it was, you know, there it was. It was very obvious that this was what we were supposed to do. It was very very obvious. But there were a lot of people in our life at the time who it was not obvious to them. And there's a story in the Bible in 1 Kings 13, and it's about a prophet, and he's got to go deal with King Jeroboam. And the the Lord tells him, don't eat, don't drink, and don't go go home the same way that you go. And and he goes, and he takes care of what he needs to take care of, and and he's headed home. And another prophet hears about this and intersects him. And the prophet lies to him and tells him, God sent me to bring you to my house to eat. And so he goes to his house and eats, even though God did not tell him, I've changed my mind. And now I have a different assignment for you. Mm. And through this process, there was one day we were still in San Antonio. We hadn't moved yet. There was a knock on our door and I opened the door and there was someone I loved dearly and I trusted on the other side. And she said, God told me you don't have to move. And I said, I don't receive that. I don't receive that. Whoa. And she she came back a few weeks later and she said, I'm sorry. I was I was out of line. And it, it was just a reminder that there are people, lots of times people drop that all the time. Like God told me, wow. or God said, or God but God gave us an assignment and we were sure of our assignment. And even though there were voices that we loved that were telling us something different, we knew what God had told us and God has not changed his mind. He, Mm. we are still assigned to pastor Jonathan and Alicia, and we are very sure of that. So.
2: It that's beautifully said number one. And, um, you guys have such such a great heart for your pastors, and North Rock is a special church, strong, robust leadership culture to it, really preparing the way for the future. I, I love so much about your, your house, and, and thank you for expressing, I guess, some of that early sentiment, uh, but I want to get to maybe the main question I came to ask you guys today, and I'm going to throw this one to Matt to get the party started. And that is simply this question. It's kind of funny, but why haven't you left over the years? And, <laughs> and let, me, let me give context to, to the question. Um, it's unusual, honestly. It's unusual for people to stay in churches number one for you know, multiple decades, let alone on staff. Um, I know that I'm the guy that goes around the country saying I've been in the same church for 40 years or something. I understand that's an anomaly. I understand that's not everyone's story. And yet I think that longevity is one of the greatest things that I respect about leaders because you can't buy it. You can't shortcut it. You you quite simply have to earn it. You just got to stick it out you know, to get there. So I love, and and I'm fascinated by leaders who go the distance. So help us for a minute here. Like what has kept you here, Matt, you know, you and Jennifer has kept you here as a part of this house.
4: Well, uh, I'll tell you the, the, the first part of this is, um, it's not like I've never not thought about leaving because there's been opportunities. There's been, there's been days where I'm like, this is just too hard. This is, Mm. is it, what are we doing, especially those early years, as as uh, Pastor Jonathan and Jennifer were talking about? I mean, there were some days, um, and God was so gracious. I would call Pastor Jonathan. You know, it'd be a Sunday afternoon or a Monday, and and he would just be encouraging. Hey, we're just going. Hey, but we're going to get up and do it again next week. But then the next week, he would call me. He's like, I, "That may be the end of it." And I'm like, "Nope, nope. <laughs> we're going to try one more time. We're going to try one more week and see what happens." But You know, so, so it's not that it was, you know, it was all roses. There were multiple opportunities. I had two different people call me and just basically open a checkbook up and say, you name your price and you can come here. And so, and I would blow them off. And one guy called me back and said, no, seriously, I want you to pray about this. And I placated him and I did pray about it, but there was, there was nothing to pray about. I knew what the assignment was. I knew where I was supposed to be. Um, But, you know, when I think about why I stay, there's a couple of, A couple of things that come to mind. It's already been touched on a little bit, but my pastors are passionate about what we are doing. Mm. We we don't talk about exit strategies. Now we're at an age, we've we've grown older. We talk about retirement strategies, but we don't talk about exit strategies. That's not that's not in our that's just not in our language. It really never has been. We kind of laugh about the oh, we encouraged each other, it got rough. But we we never had a moment where we sat down and said, OK, right. if we shut it down in six weeks, what is this? We just never had that conversation. We just right. wouldn't. We did. We just wouldn't right. have it. Um, I think another reason that and, and, and Pastor Jonathan will speak to this as well. But I think one of the, the reasons that I've stayed is simply put, I have a lane to run in. Mm, I, very good. I'm empowered to press the gas as hard as I can. I have guardrails, but I don't have a speed limit. And so mm. like, I, I know I can, I, I know the direction, I know the vision and and I bump a guardrail every now and then. And over the last 14 years, I've, I've bumped a lot right. of them. Some of them sure. I've, I've hit pretty hard and we've had to sit down and talk through it and, you know, and figure it out. But But I've never been told, hey, you need to slow down because you're just going too fast. You need mm. to, you need to, or you need to just stop out of that lane because, you know, you, no, the empowerment has been there. And, and I just love that I've been able to, to, to run and and run hard. And so that, uh, that is so well said. I, I want
2: to come back <laughs> to you just a second, but I want to just emphasize this for any leader that's listening right now, because I've, I've said it a little bit differently about our context here with, with my pastors, Kevin and Sheila Gerald, but I've always said Uh, Anytime I went to jump, I never hit my head on a ceiling they created, you know, and and of course, within the guardrails, you said it, you said it great. Um, But it's just, like, and I think that, I, I think that leaders need to hear that. I think that pastors need to hear that, that if you, if you want to have and keep, you know, God honoring kingdom centered, but, but leaders with some godly ambition to them you need to create high ceilings and I am so thankful to the say I've had, I've had many problems. My pastors ain't been one of them. You know, I, I have never, I have never hit the the ceiling there, but they've, they, we we've had to, I guess, step into that. So anything else you want to say on that? I, I, just, I just wanted to emphasize that because I thought that was so well
4: said, Matt. And, and a couple of things, you know, you know, one of the one of the things I also love is and this has been from day one. You know, I'm allowed to ask permission, which is important. I'm allowed to ask permission, but I'm also sure. allowed to ask forgiveness. And I and I have the same confidence on both when I walk into the room. Wow. And, and that, that's big. That's big. You know, and so and I know as second chair leaders, it's easy to look at somebody else on social media and it's easy to look at somebody else's preaching or their website or whatever avenue you decide to look at. And you, you write the story that you think they're living. But I, I've been fortunate in the last couple of years to sit in the room with some, some second chair leaders from what we would consider large churches in, in the country and to hear them talk. Their story so similar to ours. Their story so similar to all of us second chair leaders. They've got their place. They've got their lane. They're trying to run it. They're trying to honor their pastor. And they're looking for ways to make the organization better, to make their pastor's job easier. And sometimes it gets, you know, it gets, it gets a little discouraging. It gets a little, you know, you may not feel that you get the recognition or whatever. And every situation is different, but waking up knowing every day that, and and I'm in a very, you know, I'm in a very detailed or, you know, uh, narrow focus these days. Like Jennifer said, we did everything, you know, in the early days, but I still wake up with two two things and i think this would help i think second chair leaders need to wake up with this idea one is what can i do to make our organization or our church better today what am i going to mm. do today that makes it better and then secondly what can i do today that makes my pastor's job easier and if i if i just kind very of filter good. my day through those things all the nonsense that comes at me some of it just kind of falls off naturally because because that's the that's the focus that i have
2: very good and i'm going to take a Quick minute to remind everybody listening to this today, if you've made it this far. Uh, we have a, an entire website through Leading Second or part of our website dedicated to um, content and handouts and notes that are created off of every episode. And what Matt just said belongs on your notes. Like, like if you woke up every day and and asked yourself those two questions, you'd 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 every day bring your relationship with your pastor to the forefront so that that that'd be worth a stop and a pause and and considering right there uh pastor jonathan i want to go to you though because matt's been talking about empowerment and so let's hear from the first chair now because we can talk about empowerment all day long but this is this is your baby i mean you you planted this church you and your family sacrificed for this church you you carry a weight that none of us carry uh, for the church and we we recognize that today we honor that today. So talk to us from your seat how empowerment feels cuz when you're when you're going to empower that's just got to feel like you know you're 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 giving the keys of the the Cadillac you know to a kid kid do they even know how to drive this? You know like how, how does that feel to you as a pastor?
3: Oh, I love it. Uh, l- l- let me say first that uh Again, this question that we're even talking about today, why didn't you leave? This actually came from me. Okay. This is not that this question is not from a second chair to a second chair. I'm the one who asked this question. And I I got I was able to sit in a room with a a large church whom I love and and respect with, with his leaders a couple a few years ago. And as soon as he got up and walked away, the senior pastor. I had all of the second chair leaders sitting there, and I said, hey, hey, guys, tell me, why have y'all stayed? They'd all <laughs> been there 9, 10, 11 years. So awesome. Uh, because I want to know, as a senior leader, I want to know what keeps that you know that second chair fulfilled and alive and happy and, and healthy. Um, so I love this whole conversation. And uh, we, ha- we did this last week at a senior pastor's thing that I hosted for senior pastors. We asked this question so that senior pastors wow. could hear it, hear the answer. Um, because I think the second chair, well, first of all, I think we all know it's mission critical. Any successful church, any, just look around the country, the three or four biggest churches in the country, there was a second chair leader, either one or four or five that have been with that pastor from day right. one. And, That's right. um, so, so I, and I intend to, tend to keep Matt and Jen and the others that I have with me until I'm, I'm ready to go. They can do whatever they want to when I retire, but, uh, we're going with, with you. we're going with you <laughs> and we got, and we got many years ahead of us, many years yes. ahead of us. Empowerment. I see empowerment. Um, it, it, it has been a journey for sure. I, I in some ways I probably naturally empower because I don't like getting in the weeds with stuff. There's a lot of stuff. I don't like monotonous work. I don't like getting, I don't like, I, I am a very detailed person about specific things, but I don't want to be in the details as it relates sure. to so many of the systems uh, that it takes and the structure even that it takes to run a church. So um, I have I, naturally empowered a, a, a lot of people. In, in fact, I feel like I ask them all the time. They could, uh, they could attest to this. Am I empowering you too much? I don't think I am. But do y'all think I'm empowering you too much? Like I will literally ask that question. Do you mm. actually want my help more? Do you, would you rather me help you with direction more? Mm. Um, and I think that they know that they can come to me if they ever would, would like, you know, my involvement and to collaborate on something. But in general, I, I love to just let them go. One reason is because I've, I've come to understand the power of an, of, of an, of empowerment the power of empowerment i've I've heard it said that my organization's potential is inextricably connected to my willingness to empower and um so there's great power when i am willing to empower and we are a developing church we have a developing church culture um, and we've worked very hard on that and there is no development without empowerment like it doesn't exist without empowerment And you can't just say that you're empowering someone. They have to feel empowered. You can't just say that I trust you. They actually have to feel trusted. That's Um, right. Meaning, as Matt said a moment ago, they have to have the, they have to feel like they can fail. They have to feel like mm. I can ask for permission or I can ask, I can I can apologize. And they have to feel that. That's what empowerment um 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 feels like. I I I can fail and I can come in and say, uh oh, I, I yeah. messed up. And it's okay. They have to feel like they can be trusted.
2: Yeah, I honestly feel like that permission, what Matt said earlier, that permission to ask forgiveness is really important. Um, because I think we we all get the the permission side of it. We all understand, you know how that feels. But when you need to ask for forgiveness and you don't feel like you can, or you feel like it's going to be detrimental, I think what you start to add up over time is I don't want to risk anything, and you really start to get protective as a second chair leader. You, you know, you don't really want to step out because I I don't want to be in that position. I guess I that feels like freedom to me maybe it's just because i'm a i'm a feeler you know and 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 you know my 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 background my particular brokenness would be like in shame and and, and you know all that but that would hold me back or set me free based on how you know i felt in those moments
3: so there is no in, there is no innovation so the, right. the that second chair leader is not willing if they're not willing to risk then there will be no innovation so the it's organization so will stall because innovation requires failure. It is part of innovation. Failure is part of it.
2: Innovation and requires failure. Someone needs to hear that right now. Innovation 100%. requires failure.
3: <laughs> so second chair leaders and, you know, those all the way down filtering through the organization, they have to have a safety net to fail. They have mm. to, and they have to know that. And again, we can say that, but they they do have to feel that, have to feel it. I'm, and there's certain certain areas that I tru- I struggle to empower. Generally, it's production related or worship related. It's stuff that kind of my background is in. And in a lot of cases, my issue was that I actually did know more about it than the people <laughs> that I'm empowering. These guys know. If I don't know more about it than they they do, I'm right. I don't pretend. That's why they're right. here. Um, but that's the that's the that's the difficult part is empowering you know, where you are most passionate.
2: So good. So well said. Um, I'm going to go back to Matt and Jennifer and I want to ask you this question. Um, what has your pastor done for you that has helped you thrive and go the distance? So we've already talked empowerment, but is there anything else that's really helped the two of you uh, stay in the game over the years?
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, I will say, you know, like we said in the beginning, there were different, hats in different seats that I sat in all along the way. And let me just say, when I when we came here to start the church with Pastor Jonathan and Alicia, I saw myself as a volunteer at North Rock Church, and I was all in, 100%. But I did not realize that I had any sort of gift that would be useful mm. to this church in, in a staff role. I, I did not know that. I didn't even know to think that. Um, and so Pastor Jonathan and Pastor Alicia saw potential in me that I didn't know was there or didn't even know to 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 mine for um, because I didn't know it was a need. and Pastor Jonathan saw that and he mined that in Matt and I all along the way. Now Matt already had, you know a lot there, but I did not. And so Pastor Jonathan would just kind of, If I had an idea, he would say, go for it, go for it, Mm. run with it. Um, And so um, he's done a lot. You know, lots of times people say, um, how do I find somebody like you in my church? And the truth of the matter is there is somebody, there is a great second chair in every church. But the pastor has to be willing to develop it, they, it, there is some assembly required. Not everybody—they're not going to show up knowing exactly what to do or how to do it. There's nobody. Right, there's no Amazon.
2: There's no Amazon Prime for a second chair leader. They no. arrive in two days. You know, right? Which, which I think <laughs> right. is what we think, or, or what what what, right. what I've seen leaders think.
0: Right. And so, Pastor Jonathan and Pastor Alicia literally have just developed and coached all along the way. They've empowered but but they've developed and coached when i when i messed up when i when i didn't make the right decision or when I, I i was i was scared to go forward and and i have lots of great ideas but i'm an enneagram 1 so i want a perfect plan before i get started and <laughs> pastor jonathan has to say start just start go with what you have you'll figure it out along the way just go just start um and so that that's one of the things i will also say that pastor jonathan and alicia They affirm me publicly and privately. And Mm. for second chair leaders, the only person for true second chair leaders, so this would be executive pastors or campus pastors, the only person affirming them is the lead pastor. That's the only place that they're getting affirmation. So if their lead pastor is not affirming them, there is no Mm. affirmation. And over time, they will will quit. They will move on, even Mm. if they don't leave they will quiet quit, um, because Mm -hmm. what's the point? Nothing I do matters. Um, and so I have been privileged to work for leaders who publicly affirm me, but also privately, um, and tell me when I'm doing a good job. And so while I'm being coached on the things I need to improve on, I'm also being affirmed on the things I'm doing well on. And so I think that that's super important when you're, when you're, when you're, you know, trying to, um, Keep your staff thriving and healthy and strong. Make sure that you are affirming those seats. Also, I get lots of FaceTime with Pastor Jonathan. And sometimes when I'm talking to other second chair leaders, I'm hearing that it's spotty. You know, how much FaceTime do you get with your pastor? It's spotty, Um, spotty. really, really not much. And I have to say he is super intentional about getting FaceTime about every four weeks Because he's checking to see how I am, because he knows if Matt and I are not okay, then North Rock's not going to be okay eventually. And so he's trying to he's doing a temperature check. And it's also an opportunity for me to to ask him questions and and make sure that I am staying aligned with the vision that God gave him. And I'm working on the things that are important to him. And my priorities are aligning with his priorities. So those are just a few things.
4: Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. You can almost just take Jennifer's answer. And that's why I stayed, why we stayed, you know? (laughs) Um, Yeah. Obviously empowered, encouraged, um, pushed that, that, that was one of the things um, for me is, you know, just, just, just pushing, investing Uh, you know, coaching is a big part of our organization. So, you know, having leadership coaches in our lives, not the same one, um, but a big part of it for me is, and I want to, Piggyback off of what Pastor Jonathan said a while ago, if he said, if he doesn't know anything about something, you know, that's why, you know, that's why you're here. But he is so stinking honest about it. And there's Mm. something that is just pure and engaging about that kind of honesty. And so I, I, it makes me feel more purposeful. Now I'm an enneagram wow. too, so it doesn't take much for me to feel purposeful when someone needs help. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I can fill that tank pretty quick. But but it, it gives much more purpose because he's so honest about, hey, I'm I'm not sure what we need to do here, and it it, it yeah, invi- that invites me into the conversation. But over the over the last couple of years, I, I think what has strengthened so much is. Um, He's he's taught me about himself and he's he led me to love to love the vision of what's going on and and what God placed in him and not to try to be like him, but to let me run in my lane and and be me. But but some of the most powerful things and and I'll just I'll kind of use and pick on the Enneagram for a second. But as an Enneagram eight, there's things that I've learned that, that he's an Pastor Jonathan's an Enneagram eight. I'm an Enneagram two. So there's things that I've learned about him that have strengthened and deepened our relationship because early on, if you know anything about Enneagram, eights are passionate. So they have no idea they're yelling. They're just they're just they're a little (laughs) bit dramatic and they they like they you know, they're, they're passionate and they're getting the point across and, but I'm sitting on the other side going, dear God, why is he so mad at me? Like, you know, my stomach's upset and hurting now. I'm a nervous wreck. I'm shaking on the couch. I curl in the fetal position. Like, what did I do to upset him? And he's like, I'm not mad. I'm like, oh, 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 you, you weren't. So anyway, I mean, and there's a lot of funny stories I can tell, <laughs> but and again, that's an extreme, but, but learning, learning, it's helped me learn how to communicate. It's helped him learn how to communicate with me. And we, We've built something there that is helping me go the distance because I I know where he stands. I know where he's at. I know where he's at with me. And just the open, honest conversations we've been able to have have been tremendous.
2: Very good. Very good. I have one more question on this topic for you guys, um, for, for Matt and Jennifer, and that's this. I, I feel like part of our covert mission at Leading Second is to help Second chair leaders cultivate their calling. And what I mean by that is I feel like calling is a big deal. I feel like knowing that you are called to a ministry or to a pastor, to me, that helps anchor you in the toughest of times. I've often returned to my calling. I've when when, when I've wanted to look for the exit ramp or I've wanted to, you know, even just respond out of frustration or whatever, I often will go back to purpose and calling. And I feel like if we're honest, some get into ministry or in positions simply because the opportunity was there, not necessarily because they were called to do it. And so I, I just think calling is, is, is a subject I'm passionate about. And there's probably no greater joy I have than having a conversation with a second cheerleader about their calling. Let's cultivate that. So that could anchor you. So I'm wondering if you all could just give a little bit more language and a little bit more voice to how your calling toward North Rock felt to you. Or, or maybe you use the word assignment, you know, your assignment to North Rock. Like, like talk to us about how it felt. What were you thinking? What was going through your head? Because I feel like if that can come alive in a leader, it holds us in when a lot of things are trying to um, uproot us in those moments. Does that make sense to you guys?
4: My thought on that is, uh, and I've used the phrase before, and I, I stole it from a second chair leader, uh, that God calls a man to a city, but he calls a team to the man. And and we can go through scripture and we can find that precedent as well, multiple, multiple places. But calling an assignment is, is the best word because like Jennifer said earlier today, we, God didn't wake us up in the middle of the night and say, go to San Antonio. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I don't, I don't have, and Pastor Jonathan has an incredible, you know, we call it the rooftop story for North Rock of what captivated his heart and what God did there and the calling to start the church. But I was captivated by his vision. And so as a second chair leader, I am loyal to Pastor Jonathan and the vision. And I love the church. Mm. I don't, I'm not loyal to the church and just love pastor Jonathan. Mm -hmm. And and there's a difference there because, because the winds will blow and things will sway and people will come and go. But God called this man to this city for this time. And I am, I'm a small piece to be able to play a part of what God is doing here. And it's the best thing that's ever happened in my life. And it doesn't matter Mm. who comes and who goes, But when I see my leader succeed, I get to jump up and down and I get to rejoice and I get to high five. And when I see my leader having a bad day, I get to walk up and put an arm around or send a text and said, hey, I prayed for you this morning, whatever that looks like. So the assignment for me is very much, um, you know, again, I could use a lot of examples here from Scripture, but just uh, God planted in us, in me. Back to my two questions what can I do today for my pastor? What -hmm. can I do today to move vision forward so that we can reach more people with the gospel that are lost and hurting and disconnected and need Jesus? That's what I'm called to do. I'm not, uh, that's the big picture for me.
2: Well said. Well said.
0: Yeah. I'll, I'll say, um, you know, my, my role here at North rock, my mandate to me or my calling is so clear um, because I know that I am called to be a second chair. I've never, ever wondered if I was actually supposed to be sitting in a first chair ever. I've always known I was a second chair leader. And so it's freedom in the sense that my job is to execute his vision. it's Mm. It's to execute the vision that God gave him. Not only that, but in the seat that I sit in, my seat is nowhere near as weighty or as heavy as his chair. And nowhere along the way am I to think that God has called me to something harder than he called my pastor to. And so sometimes, sometimes sitting in the second chair, it feels like we're doing all the work. And I think that sometimes when when people think about calling within ministry they never think about calling to the second chair and that's one of the reasons why your leading second ministry is so incredible is because it's given validation to the second chair mm. but i i i fear that so many people think have their calling tied to their next step or the first or when i get to the first chair mm. or i have to work these is. steps until i actually get to sit in the first chair And a few years ago, I, we had a, one of the Spurs assistant coaches come in and he talked about a time that he had been the assistant coach for the Orlando magic in um, Orlando, Florida. And during the season, they fired their head coach. And he talked about how, when you look at the seats on the court between the assistant coach's chair and the head coach's chair, we're only talking about a matter of inches, but when he Mm. moved from one chair to the other, the weight difference between the two chairs was unlike anything he had ever experienced. And he said, no matter how hard it is to sit in the second chair, it is nothing compared to what it feels like to actually sit in the first chair. And so my calling is to the second chair and to pastor Jonathan and Alicia, because their weight, their calling is so incredibly heavy that how, How honoring is it that I get to even sit beside them and lift Mm. their arms and help them carry that weight? And so as, as you're thinking about your calling and what you've been called to, I would say if God has called you to a church, to a man, to a woman in that church, then go all in for whatever that is and stop looking for what's next. Just go all in. 100% on whatever God has called you to do, get planted, get rooted in that church. And just like the story of the prophet in first Kings, if God changes his assignment, it will be very, very clear. He will tell you that your assignment has changed. God has not changed the assignment for Matt and I. We are assigned to pastor Jonathan and Alicia, and it's an honor to serve them.
2: Beautiful, beautiful. Well said, guys, this has been fun today. I really enjoyed this conversation. You, I mean, I know you well, we talk often and yet you've, you've built my faith again today that there's other leaders out there that think this way. And I just, I know what can happen in an organization when, when health flows in the second chair. So thank you guys so much, Pastor Jonathan, I'm going to give you the final word today. And, um, if a second chair leader is listening right now, like, 40 minutes into a podcast, they needed this conversation today. So like, like I always figure the person still around at the end is who this conversation was for. So will you take a minute and will you just, will you just encourage a, a, you know, a second chair leader listening right now? Like the one, the one who maybe feels like they're in a season of discouragement, the one who just like talk to them on behalf of their pastor. Like, like, like how could they just really stand faithful for their pastor? uh, in this season?
3: Well, we understand that, uh, we wholeheartedly, uh, know that you have a, a heavy weight as well. Clearly our, our Mm -hmm. weight is heavy, but, uh, we'll never take the mountain without you. We know that. And so thank you for being loyal. Thank you for being loyal in public. Mm. meaning that whenever you're out in the foyer or out having coffee and someone questions us, thank you for standing with us and defending us, even if you don't even know why we make certain decisions or why we did what that person was mad about. Thank you for being loyal in public because that gives you crazy leverage in private. You're welcome Mm. to come and talk to us about it in private, but thank you for being loyal in public. Thank you for solving problems. Um, Thank you so much for clearing the path We've pointed to the mountain and thank you for solving the problems. And again, my favorite problems are the problems I never even know about Yeah, you know, in, in the moment. I never even know about it. Maybe after the fact you come around and tell us, Hey, this happened, but I solved it. Those are my favorite kinds of problems. So thank you for doing that. And uh, thank you for, thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving the church. And um it's, it's a team effort, 100%. And I do want to encourage you to stay in the game. I want to encourage you that, you know, some people think calling is connected to a specific chair, but there are so many different second chairs. Matt and Jennifer have both sat in so many different chairs over the 13 year life of our church. Matt's been a youth, the youth pastor, then, uh, you, you know, like four year, times, the, like four times. I in don't even know what all you've done, Matt. You've done <laughs> four times. And been the youth pastor again. <laughs> Jennifer has ran every aspect, every area of the church at, at different times. And um, they've, they've never fussed or complained whenever they've had to change chairs. And I know that that can be a challenge. You're wearing one hat and now it's time to wear another hat. Uh, there have been seasons where we've all wore about six or seven hats at the same time. And uh, so we understand the weight that comes with that. And I just want to, I just want to love you today. And I want to want you to feel that and want to say thank you from all senior pastors everywhere. If you haven't got affirmation recently, I want to affirm you today.
4: Thank you.
2: Yes. Beautiful. Well said. I love you guys. Thanks so much for being on here today.
4: Absolutely. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you, Brandon.
1: the episode guide, visit our website, leadingsecond.com forward slash podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram at leadingsecond and join us on the Leading Second Collective on Facebook.